In Psalm 147, it talks about these kind of menial things that God does in sustaining life, like um, covering the sky with clouds and bringing rain and growing grass and food for the cattle and the birds and all these kind of things, which, yes, they happen day in, day out too, and they're kind of not dramatic or world-changing, but that's, that's the reality of life-giving. Hello and welcome. I'm Tanya Reason, and this is The Gospel According to Mum, the show where we discuss the transformational work done in us by Jesus Christ as we live out motherhood and discipleship with Him. We continue now with Jodie McIver and discuss the transformation of our very identity through pregnancy and birth. We look at the importance of relationships with our spouse, family, church and community, as well as our burgeoning relationship with the new member of the family. Jodie brings the term matrescence to our conversation, the disruption of our perceived identity in motherhood, and how to trust and realize the ultimate authority of God over it all. Just to finish up on the body, one of the things was was the for me, and I I, I think you mentioned it in the book, is the loss of dignity. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you, you have no dignity. <laughs> it's just completely gone, isn't it? But I I've thought about that quite often actually, and I've found that it I don't feel that's been a hindrance. I actually, f- I quite enjoy the fact that that I have less dignity now because I see that it's made me more compassionate, mm. and it's it's helped me to be more merciful. Do mm. do you do you find that it was actually a blessing for you to to lose that sense of dignity? Maybe it was false dignity that you had. Well, um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you're talking about kind of in the birth room where everything's laid out for everyone <laughs> to see, I, I was kind of ready for that as a midwife. I'd seen yeah. it all, so sort of feel like it's. It's your due to have a turn on the other side. (laughs) But I think what you're describing is is bigger than that too. Like Mm. it's a really humbling experience to go from whatever you were doing before and perhaps were quite good at Mm. and and quite, um, you know, encouraged and given, you know, maybe you achieved promotion or awards or whatever Mm. it is and then this is a brand new thing and you're, you're brand new at it. You've never done it before and so... It is, it's humbling and mm. it that can be really difficult for women, I think, to suddenly go from wherever they were at to the beginning again of yeah. something new. Yeah. And it's an amazing opportunity, but it's also a challenge. But yeah, God God will enable us to to get through. Yeah, yeah. And it's important, isn't it, to lean into that because there comes a point after baby's born where you're just thinking – I'm sure, I'm pretty sure that every person goes through it at some point where they just think, I can't do this anymore. Mm. But actually, yeah. if you can push past that point and, and just just keep going, it is, it's such a blessing, isn't it, to get over that hump? Yeah, and I think it's, being, it's a matter of being held by those around us as well. Like mm. we, we can't, you know, we're at that point, like you said, I remember that feeling of how, especially once I had a child and a baby, it's like, how can I do both? <laughs> That's double down, things? isn't it? Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it's if we can be held and be nurtured by those around us as well, you know, our friends or family or church or whoever it is, that community is so significant as well, mm. because we, I say in the book, like we have a newborn baby, but we are also newborn parents as yeah. well. And, and we are vulnerable and we, we need love and support as well. So that's so important too. Mm. And I think that's that's part of how 
how God has designed families, you know that it takes it takes multiple people to to come together and to create new life and and then there's the whole generational aspect which is not always straightforward for people and some people struggle with that but when it's working well it's a beautiful thing oh yeah yeah I would say the same is true in a church you know, yeah. I, I came to faith as an adult and, and I'm, I'm sure I've said this before, it was strange to me when we had sort of separated church services for youth and, and everybody else basically because I could see the value of the family model in a church setting yeah. with all of the generations together and how encouraging it was just to see some of the older generations doing worship, you know. You just thought, oh, that that woman there, she has been at church for forty years, and she is still singing worship. I just found that so encouraging, you know. Yeah. And, and and then everyone loves to see the little ones as well coming through. Yeah. And it's, it's a beautiful thing. Yeah. Yeah. There's a real beauty in that. I guess unity and diversity, isn't mm, it? That, absolutely. Yeah. We're not all the same, but coming together as a family. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Just to go back to identity, you raise a term called matrescence. Is that correct? Yeah, 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 matrescence, which is identity disruption, and I, I know, I know what you're talking. There's, a, there's a kind of, um, well, you, you have to shed yourself to a certain extent, don't you? Because children require everything of you, and and you talked a bit about, you know, that you feel like you're doing nothing, especially in the early stages. But actually, I was thinking about it, and I think you are you're doing a lot. Like there is there is no break in your day because you can never stop looking at your child, and watching them, and 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 caring for them. The problem is you're doing nothing for yourself. That's really where it becomes an issue, isn't it? You just don't get time for yourself in the way yeah. you used to. Yeah, that idea of matrescence, I think. I think it's a really helpful concept. It's kind of been popularized by a developmental psychologist, uh, Aurelia Thun, but comparing the experience of the transition to motherhood with the, you know, it's similar to adolescence in that it's, it's a growth experience, but there are, there are losses as we're mm. ending one period of our life and there are, there are gains and new opportunities and potential as well and that every part of us is changing from within our bodies, our brains um, and our lives and, so, yeah, like I guess you've kind of, by shedding, you've kind of used that picture of, I suppose, the animals, is it, who, who yeah. lose one skin and then they come yeah, out with a fresh yeah. new one underneath or a, yeah. um, a caterpillar to kind of vibe. But, it, yeah, if we're not expecting that, perhaps even if we are, it is, it's hard because there are genuine losses as mm. we become parents and particularly often for women as we become mothers many of the things we could do we just we just can't anymore and we'd love to spend more time with our friends or we'd love to be able to volunteer more in a particular way or but for for a time at least it is it is a letting go as well as a kind of embracing and the things that we are now doing do feel small and and mm. do feel insignificant in lots of ways but i think it's really encouraging in Psalm 147, it talks about these kind of menial things that God does in sustaining life, mm. like um, covering the sky with clouds and bringing rain and growing grass and food for the cattle and the birds and all these kind of things, which 
yes, they happen day in, day out too, and they're mm. kind of not dramatic or world-changing. Yeah. But that's that's the reality of life-giving in that it's it's often hard, repetitive work and it, yeah. it's not, you know, it can be thankless. But, yeah, in doing that, we're sharing in God's life-giving work, which, which is a real privilege if yeah. we can see it that way. Yeah. That's a beautiful thought actually to think because I immediately thought, why would God find that tiring? It must be so hard to make clouds. <laughs> like, I can't make a cloud, you know. But then our kids are like that. How does mummy open that jar, you know? Like, <laughs> yeah. it's, that, it's just that, that relative position. It really, it sobers you up, doesn't it, to realise how where our position is compared with God and his awesome power and, and sovereignty again, you know. Those, those tasks are menial for God mm-hmm. and yet for us they're incomprehensible. Yes, and they keep the world going around, yeah. Yeah, yeah. The scripture that you mentioned too was Luke 9, 23 and 24. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. And I think what I was going to say to you as well is that I think it's really important actually that we have an opportunity to lose our identity in that way because it does it does make room for him to work, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. The picture of the gospel of Jesus laying down his life for us is, is I think, the guiding principle of the Christian life of mm. all of us in, in all different ways. Um, God works in this way in us. But this is one particularly unique example where we we do literally – in our bodies, you know, kind of bleed and and water. Have yeah. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the blood and the water. And so it's a very bodily experience of potentially laying down your life for the sake of another. I mean, there's mm. the the reality that for for many women in generations gone by, that was a much more tangible mm. possible outcome of, yes. of childbearing. Yeah. And and that's very sobering. And for us, you know, it might we, that might be very unlikely in in the Western world in this day and age. And yet, to a lesser extent, there are still, yeah, we still bear very tangible costs as in pregnancy and even more so in birth and early parenthood. It's yeah, it is not necessarily literally laying down your life for another, but but following in Jesus' footsteps in in what he's done for us in our own small way. Mm. Well, yeah, I mean, even even the, the access that we have to to different types of medical um, care or intervention, you know, even scans can can cause suffering. You know, things that, that people say during scans can cause significant suffering, which is unintentional, obviously, but there's there's no getting away from it, no matter what our situation is there's going to be risk and and potential suffering, isn't there, through the whole process? Yeah, I think that's the very nature of bringing life into a broken world Mm. and that's certainly Jesus' model, um, that there's a real cost to bringing forth life and bringing new birth for people. Yeah. And and for us, it's different for everyone, but there's always a real cost to feel. Yeah. 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 I was reading today and I just thought, oh, this is so... This is so perfect for what we're talking about. It's um, Matthew chapter 14 and 
it's it's it was just such a clear picture to me of what you go through as a mother that, that Jesus did. John the Baptist has just been beheaded, and Jesus has been told about it. And it's uh, Matthew fourteen thirteen. When Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. Hearing this, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, every mother knows why we're laughing. <laughs> When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and healed their sick. And then uh, he goes through the whole f- um, feeding them with the five loaves and the fishes yeah. and, and it goes on to uh, Matthew fourteen twenty two. Uh, immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of them to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. And I just, I had that very experience the other day where I just wanted to have, I wanted the day to be over basically. It had been a hard mm-hmm. one. And I knew that I I had, you know, X, Y, and Z to do. And and Ben came home, he said to me, just go go into your room, just just take 20 minutes, just just have a break. But then my my eldest needed something and then my youngest wanted something and she wasn't going to let me go without a fight. And then I remembered that I had a huge pile of ironing, which I then started to do. And I was standing there with the iron just going, Lord, I need to have a rest. And and I just felt him say, I, I will sustain you. And I thought, this is exactly what mothers go through. You go off. You need some time to yourself because something's happened or or even if nothing's happened. And then you see the ch- the children following you and you have to have compassion on them, don't you? There's That's just right. no choice. Yeah, looking after a baby or a child, there's that relentless need from them. But I think in that we also become aware of our needs in mm. a new way that perhaps we haven't before when we had peaceful lives or, you know, yeah. a bit more control of things. And we realise, yeah, that, that we're not in some ways that different from our children at all. And we mm. we all have needs and we can't do everything and 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 that's okay to some extent. Yeah. <laughs> like God, we're very different from God who who is everywhere and all powerful and can provide in every way. And we we have to accept to some extent that we we can't and we and and yeah ask for his grace in that too yeah because yeah I don't think I ever realized how important you know eating a meal <laughs> at a vaguely appropriate time was or or yeah. other things until it's taken away from you and mm. you realize how grumpy you get when you haven't had enough sleep yeah. and you just it's it is a it's a very humbling experience, mm. um, and one in which we do need to rely on God all the more. Yeah, yeah. It 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 exercises our mercy, doesn't it? That that sort of loss of dignity. And here's Jesus, the Son of God, who who puts himself to the side to to minister to these people who need him, even though he's had this terrible event that's happened, and he mm. needed to pray. Mm. You know, you would have thought he he was so dignified, you know, that he he needed that, but but he's not. He's utterly merciful, mm. and and yeah, I think I think that loss of dignity of and yeah, and the humility is is so important 
for for building mercy in us, isn't it? Yeah. Yep. Well, I guess the encouraging thing for for anyone listening who's not yet a mother is that just as it as it says in Matthew twenty fourteen twenty two, I have found that after after I've done everything that needed to I needed to do, that there has been a provision for me to to rest and recover. Mm. Have you found that in your own journey? Oh, we all need rest. Like that's part of what it is to be human, isn't mm, it? And we, yeah. and when we we when we can't, that we really feel that and we struggle. And I think there's a sense in which you know that there's a spiritual rest which we can always have in all things and in all times through Jesus. Um, but yeah, physical rest is important too, and and getting help from others to help that occur. Yeah, I think that's a big way in which we are kind of held by God is as we're held by others through those those harder times. Yeah, yeah, that's almost humbling in itself, isn't it? It is hard to ask others for help. Mm. You know, we feel really, yeah. and and that's I don't think that's um you know lots of mothers have spoken to me about being control freaks. I don't think that's what mm. it is. I think actually you just feel incredibly responsible for this person, mm. and you you. You just feel like you should be the one to do it because it's your job, you know. It's not you're trying to control. You actually just you feel guilty if you're not because you've been given this charge and you want to fulfill it, don't you? Yeah, yeah. We often have really high expectations of ourselves. I think coming into these experiences, which are often like we we know are important and we we hold in high regard, so we think we we need to do them well. Yes. Um. But yeah, our expectations can easily be unrealistic mm, as well. And yeah. and knowing that God's given us a community to nurture this child with is important. Yeah. yeah. It was your book that made me think about this because we've, we've almost touched on it a couple of times already, but the sort of collective approach to, to giving birth even to a child and raising a child between the mother and the father and the personality of the child themselves Mm. because you talk in the book about the tension between us making decisions through the process of giving birth and God taking things out of our hands at different times Mm. and I wondered you've seen a lot of different birth stories unfold have you seen anything that reflects in the in the way children are born that reflected the personality of the child themselves (laughs) <laughs> I don't know. I mean, we we often we often say that about babies. Oh, you know, he he just didn't want to come out yet. He stayed in there so long, and mm. therefore he's going to end up sleeping in every day. I I don't know. I I'm a bit of a skeptic about many of these things. But it doesn't take too long, though, after they're born, that you do start to see their little personalities, or perhaps not just that you start to see them, but that their little personalities are actually beginning to develop. I think that's a that's a process which is evolving in those early days and weeks so quickly. And we impact so much on one another as well. Mm. Like you often hear people talking about the way that their own anxiety, they feel their baby reflects that and cries or, or those kind of right, yeah. um, interactions as well. But ultimately, we do have to understand that even though this little person has come from our body and has been nourished within our body, they are their own unique person mm. too. So 
if they don't sleep well, it's not necessarily because we've done a bad job at, yeah. Yeah. at parenting. Or it, It's important that our, our whole identity, I think, isn't wrapped up in our child because what we do is absolutely significant and formational for them. But they are their own person and they mm. will have their own unique features for better and worse. Yeah, and, absolutely. Um, the choices that they will go on to make, even more so as they grow older, um, aren't a direct reflection on yeah. our ourselves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, with my two, I can see the way that each of them were born and even even afterwards, you know, you see certain things like, for example, one of the examples in your book was, was that one of your mums was obsessively writing down feed times. Mm. I did the same thing with my mm. second. I had a, an Excel spreadsheet. Yes, well, it's something we can take control of <laughs> and take well, notes. Well, yeah. I would say this. It was extremely helpful. I didn't find it detrimental at all because yeah. she was – she was a difficult feeder and both of them had to be on formula. And that was a blessing too because I was actually able to record to the mill how much she was taking. And she was self-regulating. My first would drink and puke and she would just keep drinking. <laughs> it wasn't a problem. But my second was incredibly precise about regulating. And I, yeah. the only reason I knew that was because I had the spreadsheet and I started to notice, I then graphed it, this is the kind of person I am, that she was working yeah. on a perfect sine wave. And then I just was not worried anymore because I just thought, oh, this is one of her fasting days. You know, she's going to regulate herself back up again. And she did. Yeah. Isn't she that was interesting just, being yeah. able to see the patterns of behavior? Oh, yeah. 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 Even their growth charts suit their personalities. Mm. My first one is is plateau explosion, plateau explosion. That's that's her to a T. Whereas the, whole the second kind of one. Wonder Weeks idea yeah. too, isn't it? Though? Yeah. <laughs> Whereas my second one is just a perfect. She's just going perfectly up the graph and, you know. Um, no, even and yeah, yeah, there you go, just perfectly regulating. And, um, you know, it was, it's, it's, it was really good. And I thought to myself, well, God knew that I was going to do that. And <laughs> so I, I sort of, I took courage with that because I thought, well, I am the mum that he chose for those, for these people. And so I probably didn't need to worry about that because my personality, working with her personality, was gonna, it was going to come good, you know, and, yeah. and just to trust him with that personality. But it did make me think about how interesting it is how, you know, as you said, we, we come into this with no skills almost, you know, no, not for that specific person. And it is such a hand-in-hand -hand thing, isn't it? You with your child working together makes you yeah. think a bit differently about working with God, doesn't it? Yeah, well, I think it, it's a journey, yeah, of growth for both of us. And although the, the baby or the child's a relatively more passive participant in the <laughs> relationship, we still are absolutely changed by them and by mm -hmm. as we experience um, what we need to do to care for them and how frustrating it is at times to cater to their nuances and all those things where we're definitely changed by that yeah like you said that kind of hand in hand experience and at times we'll rub each other up <laughs> the wrong way yeah. um but yeah I think God's in at work through all that interaction and mm -hmm. relationship in bringing us both into that that sense of maturity be it a physical maturity of age or also that spiritual 
maturity as we're shaped to be more like Jesus. Yeah, yeah. It's also encouraging to think that he's doing it with us, isn't he? It's a very, our relationship with God is an individual progression, you know, and and it's mirrored mirrored between parent and child, isn't it? Your lovely picture of you holding the hand of your child and walking forward, I suppose you could look up to the other side and think of God holding your hand on that side, kind of parental relationship of provision and of us growing to be become like him yeah whether whether our children grow up to look like us or not there are certainly ways in which they reflect us and even more importantly how we reflect our father god mm, yeah yeah and that that brings us around to back back around to relationships again and the importance of you know family and church groups and and you felt very supported in that way didn't you yeah i think i've been very blessed to be um, well, partly our ministry roles has helped being very knit tightly into a church community. And for us, that's always been a really positive experience and um, kind of nurturing relationships of people from the amazing meals at the beginning to sort of having other parents alongside you as you mm-hmm. go further along the journey. And and not everyone does have that automatically, uh, those close relationships. But yeah, I think if if you haven't already been part of a church community or if perhaps you've had a negative experience, which obviously can happen with humans in churches, trying again and and giving the opportunity there. It's hard when kids are little and noisy or those things and we don't know what the people around us might think of our parenting or all of that. Mm. But if, if a church is tr- truly shaped by... God's grace, as has been my experience um, of churches, then there can be a beautiful acceptance of us where we are when we arrive, be it not polished in our appearance or in our mental state or whatever it is, (laughs) that kind of acceptance and nurture that we just need, yeah. Mm, Bearing each other's burdens, as you say. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. You said a lovely thing in the book about that that both male and female are required to give a complete picture of God. And it's it's a strange it can be a strange tension between between husband and wife, can't it? Especially with the first child. Because as you say, you're both learning for the first time. Mm-hmm. But but to remember that, that there's you're not competing, that it that it's a yeah. complementary relationship that's really important isn't it yeah absolutely I think so much of what we do as parents is very similar as as a mother or as a father but I think there are unique aspects to the way we love our child or the way we guide them and some of that is is more personality based than than gender based or anything but it's it's not a coincidence I think that children biologically come from two parents because they need yeah they need that nurturing that is offered differently from a mother and a father ideally but in the same way children can benefit from it a a broad range of community and family relationships that nurture them yeah but there, there is something significant about that physical sharing of you know, that that goes into 
creating a child in in God's power from the father and the mother and that physical nurturing of the mother and the child and giving them birth, these all are significant for our our humanity and our Mm. ongoing relationships and I think they... Yeah, they probably shape more than we're aware of. Yeah, yeah. It can be hard sometimes even to accept help from your husband, can't it? You know, just to being... Yeah, I don't just... know. I, I, <laughs> I might be... I didn't find it too hard. I'm always <laughs> up for help. But um, I I know what you mean. Mm. I think, yeah, it's, it's, it's a beautiful thing when two parents can be just totally looking out for the well-being of their child and equally each other mm. um, because if we're in it for ourselves, <laughs> we're going to be disappointed. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not the nature of family life. Yeah. Um, but actually holding one another up and, it, you know, there'll be times for each of us when we are not at our best and when things are harder and we do end up sort of bearing more than our share perhaps yeah but but that's the the reality of marriage and of parenting mm. i think it's it's a difficult one to negotiate and there are times when it's it's abused but it's it's a real learning curve of of what love really is yeah. um that it's not just a glamorous romance but it's that ongoing patient bearing with one another and giving yourself up for them not completely and not one the other I think we we have to look after ourselves as well Mm. and do what's necessary but that that real mutual in a good functioning relationship that mutual love and dependence is is a really positive thing and is what nurtures not just children as well. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. My dad used to say that if you feel like you're both going further than 50%, then it's probably about right. <laughs> and I'd say that's probably true. You know, if you feel like you're giving just a bit more than the other person, then you're probably pretty balanced. Yeah, I'd say that's probably what we all think most yeah. of the time. <laughs> that's yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. But, um, you know, in terms of, you know, during during that early part of Mother, you, you said that you were also supported spiritually which is wonderful you know that that others were supporting you with with attending church and I mean how did you how did you go in those early days I I imagine your Christianity looked a little bit different from how it had before yeah so I think in some ways for us it was easier because we like we had a Bible study group that came to our house (laughs) so you know you could you could be there in and out with your baby without Mm. too much trouble so in lots of ways I think things were made easy for us and then then you do still have that that community around you but it's it's very different you you can't always set aside time like you might have before perhaps Mm. for um reading the bible or for prayer but it it doesn't mean that those things have to disappear completely I think Many a prayer has been said over the head of a screaming baby who <laughs> yes. won't go to yeah. sleep. I don't think I've had a mother on the show yet that hasn't said <laughs> <laughs> that their prayers became a lot more conversational. Which, yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah. And, and I think you've got to see the real spiritual value in what you're 
doing, Mm. like every little bit of it is just that sharing God's love with this little baby Mm. and providing for them every nappy change, all of that. Like it's, it's not just in the more, I guess, traditional spiritual practices that we're grown and developed, Mm. but it's, it's in that very visceral experience of, of loving care for a child and helping them grow and being there for them. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. As you say, it's, it's, a, it's a form of worship, isn't it? If God's called you to be a mum and you do that calling, then you're worshipping him. Yeah, every, every nappy change, every yeah. feed, it's all, I guess it all fits into that kind of picture in Romans of, um, yeah, using your bodies to live a life that's holy and pleasing to God and that mm. kind of spiritual act of worship just in in the day-to-day, in yeah. the day-to-day bearing the cost of bringing forth life, yeah. yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing all of that and um, I really encourage everyone who is, even if you've already had all your children, to, to read through the book because it, it's a great way to to rethink about God in in pregnancy and in childbearing and uh, certainly brought some new ideas to me and uh, really, I'm really grateful that you've gone ahead and, and written it and um, and I Thanks. think, it's, I think it's wonderful, yeah. It's been so lovely to speak with you this evening. Thanks so much. Pleasure. Thanks for listening today. You can find out more about the show, our guests, and subscribe and download through all our channels by visiting thegospelaccordingtomum.com. My next guest is Tanya Gregg. Tanya was just 36 when, standing in front of the pantry one evening, a chance movement redirected her life, her faith, and its influence on her family completely. In the meantime, be encouraged, friend, and remember the God who taught you to love will not leave you as you walk with Him more and more at your own pace. I'm Tanya Reason, and you've been listening to The Gospel According to Mum. Till next time.